0: Good afternoon, sticky lunches. I don't know, is that the right word? Yeah, I'm just getting my screen up here. Bear with me while we get that going. Share screen, oh, hold on. There we go, that was the problem because I wasn't the presenter. Okay, now we're we're here. Okay, we're in. Welcome everyone to today's Sticky Learning uh, with me, Nathan Simmons and Andy Palmer, resident expert in category management. We're just going to give it 30 seconds while we wait for the last people to arrive in the room and then we are going to crack on and share stage four of the 73% funnel just give it a moment let's make sure we're setting ourselves up for success mobile phones up and high let's make sure the little plane is lit up zero out the distraction 100% attention on you and what you're doing here let's make sure also that you're hydrated here is getting warmer here in the UK thankfully we might actually have a summer this time who knows Um, although according to the government they have cancelled summer this year but I don't think technically you can do that. So let's make sure you're staying hydrated, you're keeping your brain lubricated. And also, let's make sure you've got a fresh page for fresh thinking. So let's get these ideas, any ideas that Andy is sharing, any questions that I asked that trigger a new thought. Let's make sure we're getting them down there on that sheet so that you can go back and remember, reread and reignite that thinking to keep your learning sticky. I think we're almost on time. But do you know what? I'm actually going to say this at the beginning of this episode rather than at the end of it if you have not registered for tomorrow's sticky learning lunch i'm putting that if it's if you cannot see it in the chat box right now i'm putting that in the chat box hold on he says bear with me i'm putting the link in there for tomorrow's session and all our future sessions in the chat box right now so if you have not already registered for tomorrow's session for next week's sessions whatever it is the link is there please click on that, get that screen ready for you to go in there and register for the future sessions and also it's there for you to copy and paste and share to your friends. If you know someone that's going to get value from category management, if you know someone that's going to get value from a deep dive on their own leadership skills in the next week, share this link with them. Let them know about Sticky Learning Lunches and get them involved in these classrooms to help them take their thinking to the next level. Let's do this. Welcome everyone to the rooms, good to see you all. Thank you Tim, good to be here, Michaela, Michaela, good to see you first time, Fiona, Fabienne, Darren, Colin, thank you very much for being, greatly appreciated, let's dive in. Welcome to today's sticky learning lunch with me Nathan Simmons, senior leadership coach and trainer for MBM Making Business Matter. We are the leadership and development and soft skills provider to the grocery and manufacturing industry. My deal with these sessions is just to help you be the best version of you in the work that you do, especially in category management. Andy welcome back for day four of this thanks very much for being here what are we covering today
1: Nathan we are now moving down into the fourth stage of our funnel this is around turning analysis and understanding into opportunities so this is where the fun sex stuff happens Um, we back in the last week talked about green category targets and more better understanding our shopper yesterday we uh, covered understanding our channel or our supermarket today we're getting into turning analysis from all those various data sources and information that we have turning those things into opportunities then for the next few days we'll then figure out how we can sell those opportunities learn those opportunities in store and close off our funnel by taking some learnings back that's what today's about
0: great and uh, Andy dropped the word in there sexy about the analysis side of thing Andy is very blue, he is very analytical, so he is gonna use words like the sexy when it comes to data. It's not everyone's cup of tea. What I will say is though, data is absolutely vital. You know, we can't always make the right decision. What it is though, is that when we get that information, then we can make better decisions on what it is we're gonna be doing in order to get to know our supermarkets better, in order to get better know who our, um, our shoppers and our preparers and our eaters are. And making sure actually we're creating the right opportunities for those people when they go into our stores as well.
1: Absolutely, I thought it was worth uh, me just kind of caveating the, the blue comment uh, as, as opposed to blue may, may have certain meanings um, but it also from, from our kind of uh, terminology means I am very analytical very left-brain thinking it's one of those uh, psychometric profiles that puts me in a quadrant that happens to be colored blue as opposed to maybe how I
0: your, your actual emotion yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to figure out how big a hole i was digging um
0: uh, there we go <laughs> but look, yeah and that's a great that's a great lead i was going to say that, that leads us on we have looked to booking in some future sessions around hbdi and profiling um and i think that's a great lead You now if you're interested in under- understanding your your psychometric psychoanalysis uh, on what we do in those on those profiling there's also that link that's going to take you through to those future sessions we'll cover some of that as well so we can get into that in a bit more uh, as we progress in the coming weeks so let's dive in what does what does section number four of this funnel look like and i'm going to skip along that slide so you can see a bit more of this as we go in and uh,
1: great stuff um yeah so it's taking all of the information that we've got and right now out in the world there is a ton of data we know that qualitative data, quantitative data and, and typically we see most category managers and category analysts get lost in the data there is just such a volume of it um, they jump into the data uh, and effectively we look at it it's a bit like a black hole they just kind of get sucked into this thing and then their time is spent generating charts and tables and graphs and hundreds of these various different pages. actually what we're really looking to do is challenge the people we work with to come up with insight, true insight that leads to recommendation. We talked about it yesterday, less is absolutely more, it's not about presenting a nice big deck, it is about presenting real hard powerful category management opportunities that can drive a category forward. Um, I've got a huge toolbox of Techniques and calculations and formulas and things like that. Now we're not going to be able to cover all of those, so I've got a sample that we can share with you today. If you're hungry for this and you want to know more, because this is an area where maybe you want to improve on, then hey, let's let's start that conversation uh, uh, later on this afternoon. More than happy to kind of uh, explore that with you to ensure that uh, you're you're getting this bit right. Because getting this bit right just means everything we do with our category management is underpinned with solid data. Powerful recommendations.
0: Good. I'm just looking here, just making sure I've got all the right information in the hands. So, where have you seen then? When you talk to other companies about this and look for examples, where have you seen good examples of this data being used?
1: I think it's it's any company that has clarity on what we talked about on day one, having that target and then tailoring what they're doing to achieve that. So there are. A million and one examples of where it's done particularly well and equally there is the uh, whole range of suppliers out there that are not doing it well they're, they're getting all this data and then they're not focusing on what's really important what's really important is using the data to back up things like hypotheses and for me I, I believe briefly mentioned this the other day this is one of my biggest tips if we can start with hypotheses or hippos as we uh, lovingly call them um, we can then more better focus our, our time and our effort into understanding those. So it's that stuff that starts, I believe market share's going up. I believe we've got less customers than we had last year. I believe there's an opportunity by driving X, Y, or Z. And then it's about testing them. If we can develop those hypotheses first, as opposed to just jumping into the data and you know, getting lost in a 101 Excel tabs, then we'll test it, prove it right or wrong. We will then be able to start on a journey of understanding where the true category recommendations are and um, th- there's a million and one different examples I think the key bit for me the takeaway there is to really start with uh hypotheses and then go away and test them um, yeah th- that's probably uh my succinct mm. answer for a change
0: and I, and I think it's important that we every day is a school day and also every day is an experimentation day and it's understanding as a business as an individual whatever that I've got a hypothesis. What are my KPIs? What are my metrics that are really going to add the most value to my business? Okay. And then laying those hypotheses over the top of it. Okay. I think this is going to happen, which is going to drive this, which looks like this in these key performance indicators. Mm. And then going and testing it out and having a look and seeing what comes back.
1: It is. And, and I think typically with all the data sources that are out there, and you start naming some of the really big ones Cantar Market Panel, Nielsen Data. Um, all the way through to our qualitative data, with the different focus groups or shopper interviews that we could do. Typically, with the majority of data, we look retrospectively as what's happened. Let's look back at the last four weeks. Let's look back at the last quarter, the last half year, the last year. So we're always looking back at our data. And again, another one for people to kind of take away the concept of actually, why not look forward and do what we class as future forecasting? If you've got a block of data in Excel, there is nothing stopping you from highlighting that block of data. If it's you know, set out on time across the top, various rows, and then maybe they're all your, your skew level data. There's nothing stopping you highlighting a chunk of data and dragging it out. But dragging it out, Excel will automatically forecast what could potentially happen. We can use that with a kind of you know being mindful of the data source that we've got. But we could use that to consider what's happening. Are we going to start seeing a downward trend in a certain set of products? Are we going to start seeing an upward trend in a certain set of products? So, for I me, mean, data isn't just about looking retrospectively. It's about looking at what could be coming around the corner, what, what, you know, what's on the horizon. Starting to factor into things like weather, because we know that has a massive impact. Promotions, new products coming in, products going out, increasing distribution. Big long list, of course. We're starting to figure out where the opportunities certainly lie. So it's not always about looking backwards. Sometimes looking forward can be uh, equally, if not more valuable.
0: And I think that's important. I don't think enough leaders do this, and I've got this from personal experience myself, where I've had the greatest successes is sitting there in October, November, of of the at the end of a year, and looking at especially what's happened over in in fresh produce, etc. It's easy to do that. You can see how harvest has gone. You can see how sales have gone over the course of that year, and then you can start to kind of even as a rough rule of thumb, like you say, click and drag through your Excel just to see what those percentual percentage increment increases or decreases are. Okay, rough rule of thumb. What does it look like? Okay, it looks like this. Based on that information, what do I think I'll do now? What sort of conversations will I have with my sales team? What sort of conversation will I have with logistics in order to prepare them for those highs and lows that we can see that come through the course of that year based on the last three years of of actual activities?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And looking at spotting those those shopper trends that are going to happen that we know happen every year and some that um, maybe we, we didn't know about because we've made some changes to our range rationalization or proliferation uh, and then trying to figure out what's going to happen what that means to ensure that we a, at a very simple level remain in stock but at the same time see what trends are starting to occur that we can really start to capitalize on that is absolutely key
0: and it is and I don't think again from personal situations where I've seen this in certain leaders. You know those conversations that give people the forewarning oh February looks like this oh June looks like this oh I remember that Andy said that was going to happen okay now it's happening you know when forewarned is forearmed you know the people in your teams can come up with alternative solutions your people in your store can see category management opportunities because they gonna understand what's going to happen in two three months time and feed that back into the engine so that actually you get a better result in that category space you're working in
1: absolutely I think You know, it's it's having those pre-prepared questions of where do you see that product growing, Where do you see those group of products going? How are they going to develop? Now, those typical questions tend to freak category managers out because we have been so so focused on the past with churning out our charts and our data, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's what we've historically always done. We've only looked at what's happened. When we start asking those questions of what could happen, um, they they throw up a, a whole different set of emotions and opportunities.
0: Okay, that's yeah, it's bringing up some different ideas for me in, in the ways to approach these sorts of things. What else would you suggest for people to help them get into their data?
1: Um, so Hypothesis number one, let's start with that. We've then got those, uh, let's call those old school tools of swats and pests. You know, they're, they're, we, We've all heard of them and if not worth a Google, we've all heard of them but they're, they're really rarely used. There is nothing stopping you doing a simple SWOT or a simple testable analysis on your category to, again, look for opportunities. Um, again, you're just starting to develop those hypotheses and they're just great places to start. Blank bit of paper, get some thoughts down, a few people collaborating. Um, th- th- those tools have stead- stood the test of time for a reason, um, but yet are rarely used. Uh, and, and again, can still be uh, hugely powerful. Link that to what we talked about yesterday. With uh, We talked about it as, as Rio, which was around our, observations our insights our recommendations we're starting to already build a story that we can uh, succinctly communicate.
0: Agreed and you know I use SWOT analysis in the PDP program it's just even if you're looking at your opportunities and threats in a marketplace coming up with 13 opportunities eight ideas to leverage it and five actions you can take immediately that are going to take advantage of those opportunities and doing exactly the same with your threats because your threats are actually just an opportunity in disguise anyway Absolutely. But if you're not spending the time to question them and coming up with those hypotheses you will not come up with new solutions to actually make the most of them
1: Absolutely. and once you've got all those things and i think we've again i think we talked about it on monday it's writing down all those opportunities on a bunch of post-it notes putting them into a boston matrix i won't draw it up again it, it was there on Monday's recording um biggest opportunity stuff that we can do now we can then start to prioritize we put our time and efforts into we start to build our uh, we start to build our plan because we're focusing up in box one. Big opportunities that we can start to deliver now, and then we've got the other areas that we can start to then um, make happen over the coming over the coming months. Just about prioritizing on uh, what's going to make the biggest difference to helping us achieve that category target.
0: Agreed. Something else you've talked to me about and other people in this space is, is looking at the data animals. What data animal are you and is your company? Yeah, so I'm going okay. no- no- to I'm going to bring that slide up and then we're going to have a conversation about that.
1: Cool. I think this is um, a bit of fun and at the same time it allows people to consider where they are. So when Nathan gets that slide up, you're going to see another Boston Matrix um, and it's based on the value of the opportunities that you're identifying and the volume of opportunities that you're identifying. So I'm not going to talk that through. You're you're going to kind of figure it out pretty quickly. Where you want to be is up there with those howling wolves in the top uh, corner there. Lots of opportunities, all worth a lot of money. Flip side of that, the diametrically opposing quadrant are ostriches, sort of head in the sand type stuff, not identifying many, and certainly the ones that are identified at low value. So again, we use this as a bit of fun to to challenge our clients for them to kind of figure out where they are, more importantly, where do they want to get to? Um, It gives them a bit of language and a bit of fun to play with, but uh, it's a good place to start to have that realization of actually, We're really good at identifying loads and loads of opportunities, but they're all uh, they're all worth two, Bob. Uh, Let's let's see what we can do to kind of unlock that. Then becomes those awesome coaching questions. We'll talk about the coaching cards a little later. There's awesome coaching questions to help them unlock their ability to analyze data, to find bigger opportunities with various different tools and techniques.
0: Absolutely. I'm just clicking submit to the coaching cards. Andy just mentioned the coaching cards. We've got the coaching cards in there. The MBM shop takes you through the category management phases in there as well. So the link's there. If you haven't picked up your copy of the category management coaching cards, link's there and you can do that immediately. Great. Crikey. I'm just thinking about time. Where are we right now? Let's come off of there. Let's get out of there, he says we are at 18 minutes past one Andy what else is important to cover right now when it comes to category management and the full stage
1: well okay so we've had a couple of kind of conceptual things around hippos and we talked about swats and pestles and there's a fairly huge toolbox I thought I'd share this one with you because um it's, it's it's powerful it's a simple calculation that anyone can run on the category with just a few bits of data um so this again seem to wrap things up in lots of three-letter um, acronyms. This one's called CDI, Category Development Index. Again, I like to just bring it out into to fair and plain English, so I call this the fair share calculation. If, for example, you have the market share of your category and you have the market share of the uh, particular retailer in, you can figure out whether you are under-trading or over-trading based on the value of your category to then figure out the opportunity size that you've got Or that you need to protect. This is a great place to start to almost get that uh, top level analysis of do we have an opportunity versus do we have something that we need to look after and nurture and protect because we're already outperforming. It's a good place to start as well because any category and there's a slight caveat to that but any category should have uh, equal market share to their retailer's market share. Um, Let me give an example, Uh, pick a category for me Nathan.
0: Uh, Baked beans I think we talked about this before let's go there.
1: Okay so let's say um, Baked beans is our category. Um, Baked beans in this particular retailer has uh, a market share of 17% I'm gonna make some numbers up Uh, pick me a uh, a, a, an outlet or you could make me up let's call it Nathan's Nathan's Stores there we go we'll go with that Nathan's Stores. Nathan's Stores has market share 20% and what we mean here is that for every pound that's spent on uh, food retailing in the UK, 20p goes through Nathan's stores. So they have 20% market share, so they own 20% of that entire food market. For their baby bean category, only 17p of every pound spent in the UK uh, goes through Nathan's store. So we can instantly see actually we've got an opportunity here because there is no reason why Nathan's stores shouldn't have for for baked beans shouldn't have a market share of 20 percent, trying to achieve what we know is possible. The caveat I mentioned earlier is you will always have certain retailers that overtrade or undertrade in certain areas based on their demographics. So come back to that in a minute. A couple of examples um, our slightly more upmarket retailers, let's say uh, Waitrose or M&S will always overtrade a little bit more in products like um, avocados or fine wines, whereas our slightly more mass appeal retailers. May under trade in, in those particular areas. Um, and then the reverse will be true. So, waitress, for example, will probably, although I can't prove it to you right now, will probably under trade in something like frozen frying chips. But they will probably do quite well with fresh, sliced, nicely salted potatoes in a prepared area. So, we will always have certain under trades and over But as a rule, most categories should be able to achieve parity with their total market share. Is that making sense so far? Yep. Nathan's nodding. Some yep. other people are nodding. I can't <laughs> okay, so let's take this. So 17% baked bean market share, 20% market share for Nathan's stores. If we divide one by the other, that should give us an index of 0.94. So that's our category development index. If we then take the value of Nathan's baked bean sales in Nathan's stores, let's say there are 180 million. The catch then Nathan good work doing well I'm in the wrong job yeah know, right? <laughs> okay 180 million divided by 0.94 minus 180 million we'll get our opportunity size quick calculation in my head check out any calculators if you want we've got an 11 and a half million pound opportunity from moving our market share for baked beans from 17% up to 20% because we know that's possible because as an average that's what he's achieving within the market once I've got this I've already got my value I can then start to figure out how I'm going to do it so I'm going to start looking at things like range availability promotions Um, I'm going to look at a gap analysis to see if I've got the same amount of products as other comparable retailers or a whole host of other areas the interesting point was I started with and I've calculated a value once I've got that value I can figure out if that's big enough for me to go after or if it was the other way around and say this was 25 percent I might have a six million pound opportunity that I need to protect because other retailers are going to be coming after those sales and be trying to uh, uh draw my shoppers away into their stores let me pause for a second is that making sense Nathan
0: it makes huge sense to me and i think the the point for me now is those people that are watching this or and are tuning in at this point is understanding whether you've got these these differences in uh, what i'm doing in this product what market share i've actually got overall how valuable that is to be getting your category management right in the first place to increase or to protect what it is you're doing yeah. through spotting these opportunities so if people aren't picking that up now even in this example okay so it, we, we've dramatized it but actually getting your category management is actually you know critical to make sure that you're developing your business
1: absolutely um, i'm hoping that calculation made sense if it doesn't it's because i've done a bad job of explaining it and i can uh, of course send you that calculation over so drop it in the comments box if you did need to see something a little bit more on that pretty straightforward running on your calculators you'll see how it works out your market share your category your market share for your grocery that gives you your category development index and then we run our calculations to find out what the opportunity size is
0: And my point to then that is if you do that calculation, if you need to go back, rewind this and work out what that looks like and you suddenly see there is a huge potential to grow what it is you're doing in whatever product it is you're selling. If there is a huge necessity to protect that market share of what you're doing, now is the time to have a conversation with Andy with MBM to actually help you grow your business in in order to do those things. That's a, a super simple
1: piece of arithmetic to do to see what the potential in your space is. So, for me, that's what we would class as a very left brain calculation to get to a number. So often we get asked the question, well Andy, my account managers asked me to uh, value the size of this opportunity or the buyer saying how much is this worth if we were to do X, Y and Z. And and sometimes you just don't have the data or a calculation like this to run. Um, But there is an alternative and I think we've probably got enough time for me to share this. We've got
0: five minutes ago, five Five minutes.
1: Okay, I'm going to go for it. Um, this one's simple. I've got another three letters for you. Pro. This is a pro tool. Very, very simply put. Um, you've got to calculate an opportunity size. You haven't got the data for it. You've got to make some assumptions. You are going to make some assumptions in an appropriate and an intelligent approach by using this. Look at all the indicators that you've got coming in. You may look at run rates of other products or a whole host of other things you're still never going to get to the actual value but what you can do is come up with something that's from your viewpoint and based on the information you've got something that's pessimistic something that's optimistic and then something that's realistic you can then present those to your buyer and say do you know what we can't get to the actual figure because we just don't know however pessimistically we think it's going to be worth five million optimistically we think it's going to be worth 12 million realistically looks to be about seven or eight million at least you've got a rationale behind what you're trying to explain as opposed to going oh we think it's going to be worth 4.69 million guaranteed where have you got that from finger in the head no idea and it just stops you again to it's about credibility tomorrow it stops you losing your credibility so the pessimistic realistic and optimistic approach uh, can just get you out of some of those uh, slightly more sticky situations
0: I was thinking that is it's coming back to knowing your supermarkets and knowing your customers you know you might you might not have all the facts to hand but actually if you've got some face-to-face experience if you've got some kind of rationale that actually resonates with the supermarket with your shopper and your preparers and eaters etc., all those things you know you're not putting numbers out there again it's that hypothesis based. it becomes an educated guess you know and actually that then still and with some mathematics that you've just done Gives you a credible understanding of actually what the opportunities are and what needs to be protected as well
1: yeah absolutely and, and the category managers credibility is absolutely everything sometimes yes we can do the uh, the algorithm type calculations and get to a number other times we need to be a bit more creative in how we approach getting to that size of the prize but um you know what there's the, ways around doing it there's plenty of options out there
0: Amazing look I'm just conscious conscious time It's 27 minutes past just clicked over to 28. What questions have you got for Andy right now in order to help with your category management and if you haven't got any feel free you can put no in the box that's absolutely fine we've covered a decent amount of stuff today if you've got no questions say no if you've got questions what would they be? let us know in the chat box while they're coming through I've already put in there the link for the virtual classrooms if you are interested in looking to see if Andy no, if there is an opportunity to grow your business by 11.5 million pounds according to Andy's calculation that if you would like to do this you know if you would like to have a look at this then you need to be clicking the link there for the virtual classrooms to help train or, or develop your category managers or even just have a conversation with Andy looking at coaching and development developing your category management there's a huge opportunity here and to do this maths and support where your business is going with this what have we got? we've got no questions uh channel plans large stores convenience online uh, no questions channel plans um if any useful tools for this, have you got any useful tool, tools for channel plans, uh, dash, large stores, convenience and online, etc.? And that will probably mean more to you than it will do to yes. me. Yes, is
1: the start answer.
0: Yes. Um, so, <laughs> what would you like to do with that, Andy? Would you like to fire something into Fiona, or have we got 30 seconds? You can cover that.
1: Then me pick up with Fiona separately. And maybe just explore a little bit more what she uh, she means. I'm not going to charge her for it. Let's have a, maybe a brief conversation. See where it takes us. Um,
0: I don't think I'd do anything justice in 30 seconds. We'll leave that one there. Right. So Fiona. Um Fiona, um, if you would like to put your email in the questions box, um, we can line up a conversation with Andy, he can cover that with you just to go through any tools in and help you do that as well. Um, we've got no other question. Thanks, Andy and Nathan. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for being here. Really uh, no good. Good session, guys. Um, good. Thank you very much, Fiona. Appreciate that everyone look there's nothing else for me to add on this session Andy huge value there opened my eyes up massively all the links are down there in there for tomorrow's session as well if you haven't registered now is the time to register Uh, if you haven't got your cards now is the time to go and get those cards I'm just going to share my screen there so you can see Andy's contact details if you want to start a conversation about your category management now is the time to do that. Thanks very much Andy and
1: we'll pick up with tomorrow. Pleasure you see you tomorrow Nathan. See you tomorrow everyone.